don't mention it. Mention it all. Mention it all. Hello and welcome to a fresh new episode of Mention It All. I'm your host and I'm so excited to be here today. I have uh, quite a few things to talk about and catch up on. We have two episodes of New York. We've got some Vanderpump Rules. You know, I thought that uh, Beverly Hills was going to be a lost cause and then we got some drama deeper than I'd ever anticipated in the form of learning that Lisa Rinna's mother, Lois, narrowly survived and escaped a soon-to-be serial killer who went on to murder 16 to 18 women. So I'll be doing a little bit of a deep dive into that whole situation. And I'm going to talk about Beverly Hills in general. Because, um, guys, Lisa Vanderpump, I, I, don't know, I don't know what this bluff was that she was pulling with not filming with the ladies, but I don't know that it's going to work out in her favor. I really don't. Yeah, we don't have anything to do with right, well, thanks for the end of me. Bye. <laughs> All right. Is it bullshit? Is it bullshit? <laughs> what are you supposed to do? <laughs> You guys, when James is like, this is the end of me, bye. And he walks out the door for approximately 3.5 seconds and then just comes right back in and starts arguing with Tom and Ariane again. It was great. It was really great. So what else is going on in the world this week before I just hop right into all the Bravo that we have to discuss? Um, Mueller report. (laughs) or whatever i guess that's happening everyone's talking about that i guess donald trump was like oh i'm fucked or something but i don't really believe any of that guys here's my controversial opinion controversial opinion wow um that was an interesting pronunciation that just came out of my mouth here's my opinion (laughs) um yes Donald Trump, our Fuhrer, is a bad person and um, has horrible aesthetics and just uh, in general represents a lot that uh, is very disturbing to people about our society and our culture. Um, My controversial opinion is he's really not that bad Um, and that all the bad things that he's done or said really are... A, a reflection of a huge part of our society and culture, and B, could not have even happened had uh, the neoliberal presidents that preceded him not sort of paved the way and allowed for a lot of the abuses that we see. So, like, for example, people are really, really super bummed about the situation at the border, and it's pretty tough and pretty terrible. Um, But what a lot of people don't consider is that without uh, Obama's policies of determent, um, you know, there would not have even been the grounds or the the precedent set to create policies such as uh, family separation that uh, are, are also policies of determent. So, you know, it's very interesting to see what people will pay attention to when Donald Trump does it and wouldn't pay attention to, like if another president did it, if Obama did it or like you know, even George W. Bush. But I do think people forget about Bush 
Like people forget about Bush in general. People forget that the, that was a really shitty, scary eight years where, you know, the economy collapsed and uh, it negatively affected many, many people's, you know, life savings and all their finances and people were homeless. I mean, it was pretty dreadful situation that happened as a result of Bush, though I know that the economic collapse didn't fully happen until Obama. I think he was already in office. Yeah. Cause it's 2008. Um, but obviously Bush kind of set us up for that. And uh, furthermore, I mean, we were in two completely pointless wars. Like, and to me going to war is a really big deal. Like it's kind of a bigger deal than like, having a president who's a jackass and like says some stupid things and Bush said stupid things all the time. Like people forget that too. People really do forget those Bush years and, and how low they were when they bring up how terrible they believe Donald Trump is. Like he's the worst thing that's ever happened to America. America is the worst thing that's ever happened to America. I was explaining this to the child that I babysit for. I was like, listen, listen here, kid. Because he was making some joke about Donald Trump. And I was like, listen, you know, uh, America was never great. America has always been a very corrupt place. The government is incredibly corrupt now. And it's, you know, Donald Trump is really just the tip of the iceberg. <sighs> Did anyone else watch The Celebrity Apprentice? I was a huge fan. And I was actually a huge fan of Donald Trump, the entertainer. So it's been really um, disappointing for me. <laughs> to lose that. I know it's all about me. It's all about my disappointment, but I was really disappointed to lose him as a, an entertainer. And now to have to, you know, receive him as a politician, I just have no time for it. But, uh, Donald Trump, the entertainer was pretty darn great. My absolute favorite that if you're, if you're going to dip into the celebrity apprentice, if you're curious, if, you know, I know most people are like, I would never give Trump the airtime or something, even though they talk about him all the time and no one can stop talking about him or posting about him or, you know, teaching their, their kids to say, I hate Donald Trump or whatever. But, uh, but you won't, you won't watch Celebrity Apprentice old seasons. Well, you're missing out because the best season of it all, the most famous season featured the late great Joan Rivers and, uh, Melissa Rivers was also on that season and it came down to Joan and a poker player named Annie Duke. And it was on that show that Joan had probably one of her most iconic speeches of all time. The red carpet, nothing. Fashion police, who cares? It was her performance on Celebrity Apprentice that uh, really, for me, made her entire career. Bye-bye guys, Melissa Rivers is running right now with a cast. She's just been fired. Be a tough team, these two. I thought Brandy, once she realized that everything was on the line. Boom. Uh, she really fought back. Strong, yes, you absolutely. bet. Wow. Anything can happen in the boardroom. Joan is not going to be happy. Joan is not going to be happy. Now got a Nazi and a follower. And I wish the two of you a lot of luck. I'm not coming in tomorrow. Joan doesn't want to be here without Melissa. You know, Melissa's her support system, and those two have been kind of teamed up, even though they've been on separate teams. You know, they're it's mother and daughter. You know, you can't break that bond. 43 career career. I don't work with scum. They both I'm out of here, too. Like two little pit vipers. No kidding. No whore pit vipers. Okay. 
if that was where it was going to go, and then he slipped the note, and it changed. Did you see that? This is going to be awful. We went to say goodbye. Both goodbye. Melissa is running through the halls of Trump Tower. I want my I want it now. Not getting without it. And I'm not coming back for an interview. You are a piece of and you're a stupid blonde. That's simple. And you have been so manipulated. You have been so manipulated. She is going to knock you off. Do you think you're going to win? Let me. You are not okay. going to win. I don't want to hear. You're okay. not going to win. Don't, You've been I'm still here. I'm still here. Melissa's not. So how am I the one that's manipulated? How about that? Figure it out. Yeah, Figure I'm still out. here. Good. How about does that? Does this mean that much to you? Yes, it does, because I want to give $250,000 to my it's charity. It's not all that's about money. Oh, yes, it is. Suddenly it's about money. This woman has things twisted. That's why we're here. We're here to raise money for our charity, okay? I don't want to hear this charity nonsense. Charity is a very wonderful thing. This is a side of Joan I haven't seen, and I definitely didn't think I was going to see it coming towards me. And your people, you give money with blood on it. I met your people in Vegas for 40 years. None of them have last names. None of them. They have cash fulls of You're a poker player. A poker player. That's, That's awesome. beyond white trash. Poker player. Oh, are beyond white trash. <laughs> I also love um, how uh, Melissa calls Annie Duke and the other lady um, fucking whore pit vipers. <laughs> Aren't you glad I just shared two minutes of that with you? You really should look it up. You should. You're not like putting money in Trump's pocket. Don't buy it off Amazon. Just illegally stream it. Do what you got to do. Uh, and so after that little interlude, I'm going to take a quick break. When I'm back, um, I will be discussing the Real Housewives of New York City. Welcome back to Mention It All. And uh, I'm very, very excited to be discussing the Real Housewives of New York City. Don't touch the f***ing Morgan letters. I'm sorry you feel so upset. Okay. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> Do not touch the fucking Morgan letters. Oh, one more thing. Put the dog down, Sonia. Oh, so we're in the Berkshires, everyone. I love the Berkshires. It's one of my all-time favorite places to visit. Um, I have so many beautiful memories there, and I love... I have so many beautiful memories of watching The Real Housewives of New York there. So they're there. They arrive, because I didn't go over this last week. And, you know, I love that we're getting what is probably 48 hours over the course of three episodes. I'm not mad at it. We know Lou is pissed about the fish room. She can't believe she's getting the fish room. Why the fish room? Over and over again, fish room. Um, it is quite rude. However, I couldn't help but think when Dorinda keeps talking about, uh, the cost of this room, she's at first, she says it's a hundred thousand dollar room and $200,000 room. And the swordfish costs $12,000. Honestly, reminded me of Job from Arrested Development when he's like, uh, like you're saying that to the guy in the $3,000 suit, like, come on. 
And that's, that's what Dorinda was reminding me of. Cause she kept, she kept just talking about the cost of this room. I mean, I think she should ask for her money back. I can't believe that that room costs that much money. And then she says it's a boy's room, but she doesn't have any boys. She has one daughter. So I'm so perplexed by why there's a boy's room, why boys like, you know, like bad paint colors and $12,000 swordfish. It's all very confusing to me. But I do think she handled herself like a champ. You know, Barbara was rude about it too once Barbara arrives and she's like, I don't want the fish room. And it's like, okay, enough, Barbara. Like my goodwill for Barbara is like steadily dissipating. I'm not feeling her that much anymore. Cause I just think it's very rude to go to someone's house and complain like that. And I know that we, I know that we watch for these ladies to be rude and, you know, we're used to the arguing over rooms and this, that, and the other thing. But it's particularly when you go to someone's home, it's like, don't do that. Like, just be glad you have like a bed. And, you know, as Barbara said, the, the sheets and the comforter were comfortable and wonderful and luxurious. So just be grateful that you can sleep in something comfortable. Be grateful that you're not sleeping in Ashley Darby from Potomac's Delaware beach house in one of those twin beds in a room with no air conditioning where she put Giselle and Robin that time. So uh, we have Sonia getting drunk. I weirdly feel like Dorinda kind of set her up. I, it doesn't seem nice to me to take her to the home that, you know, is a Morgan family home. Like that to me seems like something that would be very triggering for a friend. And I agree that you do not touch the fucking Morgan letters. Like I'm shocked that she put her finger on it. And then when it came up again, they were all saying, well, I don't even think those were the real Morgan letters. Like, what do you mean? Like they had fake letters in this house? Like that's very odd. I've never been to a historic home with fake letters laid out. That's crazy. If that is the case, then Sonia needs to bring this to the attention of the, the Morgan family foundation or whatever. So, uh, the Berkshires are a little anticlimactic for me. I mean, there's a couple good things. There's a couple good, just like, you know, just filler sort of like, at the dinner table, two different arguments happening at once, which I always like. Um, it seems like Tinsley is oddly vulnerable. I don't know if I need my housewife to be vulnerable, but I'm still, I'm still not ready to see Tins go. I'm still okay with her being here with us. Um, we meet Bethany's new boyfriend in this week's episode. He's attractive. I will say very handsome guy. He looks like an actually handsome Jason number two. Um, the guy who she married, the evil Jason, Jason Hoppy. And you know, Jason Hoppy is one of those guys where you're like, oh, he's handsome. And then you get a better look and you're like, oh, actually like he legit looks like a monster. And this guy is actually quite good looking. So good for you, Bethany. And Bethany's never looked better. All that work she's had done on her face, the face looks great. You know, it's still painful to look at her body sometimes because she's so thin. And it's so, it's so interesting to me when women are like, oh, I grew up around eating disorders or my mother had an eating disorder. Or my friend had an eating disorder. And it's like, you clearly have an eating disorder. Look at you. Like you're not well, like it's not normal to be that thin. It's not, it's not like, like a natural thing. And I think it's very funny and very bizarre when, you know, people work overtime to prove to everyone how, you know, not eating disorder they are to the point where Bethany literally has a company called Skinny Girl, which is like such a contradiction because it's like, 
you know, it's, it just shows this like fixation with weight, even with her trying to be like, I love food. I love eating. I love food so much. I made a whole business out of it. When in actuality, the business is built on, uh, you know, margaritas that taste like sand. That is legitimately what a skinny girl margarita tastes like to me. It tastes like, (laughs) tastes like seawater with like sand in it and like, um, like a sugary lime. (laughs) It's disgusting. I wonder what's worse though. Like, I wonder if we drink like a skinny girl product and we put it up against a Ramona Pinot Grigio and we put it up against a Vanderpump Rosé. Like who would come out on top? I'm very curious about that. So Bethany hosts this truth or dare party, this dinner party, which actually looks really fun. Like every time, but Sonia's right. Every time Bethany throws a party, it looks amazing where I'm like, yes, I would like that Moscow mule and barbecue and at your Hamptons house. Yes. I would like that caviar and that shot of vodka. Like that looks delightful. Little rounds of cheese. Um, I'd love to be invited to a party at Bethany's house someday. Uh, she looked amazing though. I love, um, I love a top like that. Like I used to have one that was like, it was long sleeves, but it was like cut. So it was like, you know, like open on the, on the stomach. Um, but like covered everywhere else. And I think those are so chic and they look so cool with like a great pair of pants, which is how she wore it. And hers was floor length, which was, you know, definitely a look. Um, she looked amazing and she hosted the ladies and what, what looked like a great time. And it was a great time until Tinsley, uh, just got so weird about calling Scott about the dare to call Scott and, you know, as far as Bethany trying to talk to her about being in this type of relationship that's controlling, that's making her unhappy, girl, you can't talk to anyone until they're ready to be talked to. Like, only Tinsley can decide when Tinsley's had enough with Scott and with that situation. That being said, no one deserves to be in that type of situation. I've definitely been in relationships like that before where you're, like, terrified of the person and how they're going to react and are they going to be mad at you and you know, use it as a catalyst to like potentially try to end your relationship. Like if you do some little thing that they don't like or upsets them. I mean, I definitely understand where she's at and it's very hard to see. It's very hard to see a friend in that position. And I have to say, I think it's really sweet that Bethany is uh, trying to become closer friends with Tinsley. And you can feel that you can feel that she's like sincerely trying to get closer to her and understand her. I also noticed that the only person that Bethany said, everybody, when they walked in and saw Bethany said, oh my gosh, you look so beautiful. You look amazing. Bethany only said, you look so beautiful to Tinsley, which I I laughed because I could tell Dorinda was like waiting for it. Because, you you know, whenever Dorinda is talking to Bethany, you can see where you can see the wheels turning really well. Um Ramona was actually delight in this episode. She was really making me laugh. Um you know, I like when she doesn't, when she's not actually fighting with anyone and she can just like be ridiculous and be entertaining. I think it's great. Uh, coming up next week, we are going to see Mario. Effortless. Effortless is what you are. Effortless. That was such a good moment for him and for her. Oh, 
well, he's back. You know, he loves the cameras. You know, they both love the attention. I don't think there's anything real of that. I think it's just, you know, it's just a classic Housewives moment, and I'm grateful for it. So we're going to see Mario next week. I can't wait. Um, you know, I'm really waiting for the drama to, like, pick up. I want some, like, real meat and juice, which I know after last season with Bethany versus Carol, like, who knows how much true drama we're going to get. But, like, with New York, you always you're, you're always expecting it. So I'm really waiting for, for shit to hit the fan. I'm waiting for everyone to really lose their minds on Luann because I can tell everyone's patience is really running out with her. Like showing up an hour late to Bethany's party when we all know that Bethany, like the Bethany's pet peeve is, is being on time and like people being late to things. I mean, the time that Dorinda stabbed her own hand in Mexico, it was because Bethany was like, well, what's going on? I'm at dinner. I'm the only one at dinner and everybody's an hour late. Like what's happening here? What's the world about? It's like, that's always, she just can't stand it when people are late. Cause she's always very prompt. So we see her losing her patience with Luann. We see Luann like not really caring that her actions are like negatively affecting Bethany. And she's not, she's not flowering that garden. Luann is not flowering any of her gardens because she's, she's really on a selfish tear right now. And it's sad to see. Uh, I'm going to take a little break. When I'm back, uh, I'll either discuss Vanderpump or Beverly Hills. I haven't decided yet. We'll see how I feel. I'll be right back. <sighs> okay, I'm back with Vanderpump Rules. Vanderpump Rules, Vanderpump Rules. Now, we all heard James before. I just couldn't resist. I couldn't help myself. It didn't make a lot of sense in the course of what I was saying, but I just had to include that clip of James exiting Tom and Ariana's apartment and then re-entering. <laughs> um, he's just like a truly dramatic person and I'm so grateful for it. I love it. What else happened this week? I mean, Tom Schwartz showed up with $10,000 in fives in, <laughs> in a briefcase that he had, uh, you know, handcuffed to himself this, like a lot of other plot lines, felt very contrived. You know, when I start to see Lisa Vanderpump's dirty little hands all over everything, it just, it like takes the wind out of my sails. I don't know if anyone else notices what I'm talking about, but it's like when Lisa's in charge of constructing the drama, it's just like not that interesting to me. I don't care. Um, now we have the puppy shower. James and Raquel's puppy shower for their puppy, Graham, which I love the name Graham for a dog. I think that's a great name and their dog is adorable, but they have this sad puppy party and it's so Raquel. Like I really feel bad for Raquel in my heart of hearts. She doesn't even know who Charles Manson is. Like, why is everyone so mean to her? I just feel bad about it. It's like, if I met someone that stupid, I would be like, of course I'll come to your puppy party and drink rosé, Raquel. Um, some boots on the ground though. I heard Raquel's name is actually Rachel and that her stage mom who we met this week, uh, she didn't seem like a huge stage mom to me. She seemed a little nutty, but you know, who knows? And, um, I guess her mom changed it to Raquel because she thought that it would help her to win more pageants if her name wasn't Rachel, if it was like something a little more exotic, like Raquel, I guess. Um, which always makes me think of uh, Rocky from Below Deck uh, Season 3. 
I don't know if we have a lot of below deck fans out there. If we don't, then that's sad. And I don't even know who I'm talking to because below deck is, is probably one of the best shows in Bravo. And I will be covering the new season of below deck med. So, you know, it'll be coming up, but, um, I always tell people who haven't watched below deck to start on season three, because that was when Rocky was there and Rocky was a girl named Raquel, but she went by Rocky. And she said that everyone in her, uh, all the, there are four girls in her family and they're all named after like, um, like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's the word? Bombshell sort of sexy, crazy women. So she was named after Raquel Welch. And then I think there's a sister, that's named after like, I don't know, Sophia Loren or something like they, there are a couple different names like that, but she, her name was Rocky and she was wild. She was like some of the best reality TV I've ever seen. Um, she wreaked a lot of havoc. At one point she literally leapt off the boat, stripped onto her underwear and was like, I quit and dove off the boat and tried to swim away. It's like, where are you going? You're in the middle of the ocean. Oh, but it was great TV. Anyway, back to Vanderpump, which has not really been great TV. Everyone's kind of realizing that their drinking is unraveling their lives at this point. You know, we got James talking about that. We've got Stassi having a great conversation uh, about that. We've got Lala talking to Ariana about that, just about the role of drinking in all these people's lives. And, you know, I think they're at the right age. It does take time. And in your late twenties or late thirties, I think, especially if you're someone who's like partied a lot, um, you do have to sort of unravel these things where you're like, wow, this is really making my life worse, uh, not better. And I feel horrible. And, you know, I say things I don't mean and I hurt people that I love. And I think those are very, it's significant things to confront. And I think it's very interesting that it's all happening sort of at once for this crew. I don't know what it means for our show, but um, I'm glad for, you know, them as human beings that they're sort of figuring it out. And, you know, in particular, I understand and sympathize with Stassi and I understand like, you know, just the dynamics of, of having bad habits and previous relationships and sort of trying to unravel that and, be, uh, be emotionally vulnerable and and not lash out at people, particularly when you're drinking or, you know, when you're stressed or tired or sick or whatever, it's just important to keep all that in perspective. And, and I do think that she and Bo have like a genuine love, um, even though I think they're both actors and it's annoying to me. So, uh, that's what we had with Vanderpump. You know, I can't really think of anything else about it that I enjoyed or thought was that significant. Um, we know that, uh, Brittany's going to be trying on her wedding dress and she's going to say, my body looks amazing in this, in her Southern accent that I'm not even going to attempt. Cause that's, it's not great. I was trying to attempt to do, <laughs> I was trying to imitate her with my partner and now she says rotten hell to Jax. She's like, rotten hell. Um, and he said that I sound like British or like Australian when I do it. But I do it anyway. Rotten hell. Um, God, Brit, what a shining star. 
what else happens? Oh, we had Ariana and Kristen and they, uh, you know, were showing off their newfound friendship. I enjoyed that. I thought that was really cute actually. And I, it was really interesting to hear like what was going on on Ariana's end when we saw Kristen like freaking out about Ariana and like so mad about Ariana. And I think it really puts it into context to like know what was happening all around. And, you know, I do think what's meant to be will be. And I do think, uh, you know, I don't know if Tom Sandoval and Ariana were meant to be. I do know that Tom Sandoval and Kristen were not meant to be. So I'm glad that everyone's, you know, sort of worked their shit out. Um, hopefully Vanderpump will have a little more to talk about next week. You know, I wasn't thrilled with this action, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I'm back, I'm going to be discussing the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Welcome back. I'm really excited to start talking about Beverly Hills. Uh, Let's get a little business with Beverly Hills out of the way. We don't have LVP filming with the other ladies this episode. Now, this is the first time after her and Kyle's confrontation. LVP is instead like renovating her kitchen, which I really don't need on my television screen. I'm just going to bring this up again one more time because I just can't believe it. And I see all over the internet and other places, people are so defensive of LVP. And they're like, oh, the other girls are bullies, blah, 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 blah. Let's be very honest. This is the Real Housewives. One could hardly call the conflict that's occurred bullying, first of all. Second of all, I mean, like, if we compare it to other things, there's been way worse situations. You know, like, uh, no one thought that Kelly Clore and Ben Simone was being bullied, but that was closer to bullying than this, I would say. So, you know, she's not being bullied. That's garbage. It's it's BS. But, you know, people are still so sympathetic to her. And I'm like, LVP is the one who made the decision that after a fairly minor conflict, like a conflict that we would have already moved through on New York or Atlanta or what have you, then she just decided she wasn't going to film anymore. Like, she's the one who made that choice. She's the one who said, I know you guys want to see me on your TV screen and want to see this play out, and I know that my job is to interact with these other ladies and move through the conflict or fight or whatever it is that's going to happen. And uh, I'm choosing not to. <laughs> and I don't get why people like or respect that. Like, she's robbing you and all of us of a proper narrative on the show because, you know, she's annoyed that people were talking about her or thought she did something that she claims that she didn't. And that's just weak and pathetic and, uh, you know, no queen bee would ever do that. Sorry. All right. So fuck Lisa Vanderpump. We're moving on. We don't need her as we learned this week. We thought we needed her. We were wrong because this week we had Camille's baby shower, which was fine. And then we had Camille basically uh, telling Kyle that LVP has said that Kyle never invited her to the, or it wasn't a baby shower, sorry, it was a wedding shower. I don't know what I'm saying. Camille is clearly not having a baby. 
<laughs> I forget who it was. I think it was another podcast, but the hosts like legitimately thought that Camille was 60 years old. Like they were like, oh, she looks great for 60. Um, I don't think she's 60, but I think she's probably at least 50. So, you know, past her baby making time. She's not having a baby. She's getting married to a guy uh, named David, who kind of looks like David Foster. Anyway, that's the guy who she brought to that dinner party that time when <laughs> Dorit got really drunk and she was like, Camille, you're a cunt. <laughs> Everyone was so mad at Dorit for that and like thought it was so inappropriate. I bet you are grateful for it now, everyone. I bet you're saying, Dorit, you were right. So anyway, uh, Camille blows up LVP's spot. LVP has lied and said that Kyle didn't invite her to the shower. That really pisses Kyle off. Can we talk about Kyle's breasts in this uh, party at the end of the episode? Like, they were not the best supported by that look. That It was like sort of a corset, but like it had a sleeve, like, and there was no like support underneath. So it was just kind of like hanging there. I don't know. It was very confusing to me. That was, that was very confusing. Um, oh God. And you know, someone's brought, many people have brought up that Kyle is doing way too much hat work this season. It's like every scene, it's a new hat. And then did you notice in the scene with her, um, ridiculous impractical vanity car where she and Portia drove to the, to the grocery store and picked up like way too many groceries. Portia, they had Portia also doing hat work. Portia was also wearing this old lady hat. Now I know they usually throw like an agency hat or an agency tank top on Portia, but this was, this was a new loaf, even for Kyle. Portia's wearing an old lady hat, old lady sunglasses. At first I thought it was like an hundred year old woman. I was like, is that Lois in the car with Kyle? That doesn't make any sense. So it's too petite to be, you know, grown woman, even an elderly one. And then I realized it was Portia. Unbelievable. We also got a gift at the end of this episode, uh, which was Kim Richards and Kathy Hilton are in the restaurant that they're having this meal. So the ladies are having a meal and it's kind of like up on this um, little private area, like up a, a flight of stairs in this restaurant. And... Um, <laughs> Kyle's like, guess who's watching us right now? <laughs> Looking at her phone. So you can only assume that Kim Richards texted her saying, I'm watching you right now. <laughs> she said, it's my sister, Kim. Oh, Kim Richards is downstairs visiting. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Oh my God. Go back to the last time I saw Kim Richards. I'm going to walk away for just a second because this just doesn't feel quite right. Why would I give two sh to walk over and say hi to her? Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Lisa Renan just walks right past her. My favorite part of that scene, though, is when they first find out that she's there. Lisa Renan stands up and she goes, hi, Kim. Hi, Kim Richards. Hi, Kim. Hi, Kim Richards, several times over and over again. <laughs> She's waving. Oh, it's so good. I really, 
I really, you know, Lisa Rinna really stole the show this episode. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. Camille Grammer defends Brett Kavanaugh. You know, I don't think anyone can understand this. Um, I'm really at a loss for words about this situation. She compares what Brett Kavanaugh experienced to um, the defamation that she feels she experienced uh, when she was first going through her, her divorce with Kelsey. Now, I don't know if Kelsey tried to defame her, if there's custody things tied up in that, but it seemed very deep and very emotional to her. Regardless, I mean, I don't know how you twist that around to, you know, supporting Brett Kavanaugh. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think it made a lot of sense to other ladies. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm very glad that like Lisa Rinna took the time to bring that up on the show. Cause I think so often we watch these shows and there are things going on in the world that are really important and really profound that are affecting everyone. And they're just not discussed. And you look back and you're like, Hey, it wasn't like that the same week as this or, you know, that kind of thing. And, and it's shocking that nobody's even mentioned it. So, um, big ups to Lisa Rinna for bringing that up. And wow, Camille. Wow. Wow. Camille, you're a stupid cunt. And indeed you are. So Camille goes on this bizarre tirade and, and then she cries and, you know, Kyle's kind of consoling her. Kyle annoyed me in the scene because she was like, my mom said never to talk about politics. But I also think, you know, you can clearly see something's going on with Camille that about this whole subject that doesn't feel, doesn't feel right. And we find out at the end of the episode, there's just a, you think that's the end, you know, it's like Kim Richards, hilarious. <coughs> She's watching us. And then, and then we come to find out that Lois Rinna, Lisa Rinna's mother, is a survivor of uh, a sexual assault. And we think it's kind of just that at first. We're like, okay, wow, that's, you know, but she's telling the story and the story just gets scarier and scarier where it's like, she knew this guy, she worked with him. You know, he said, I want to come meet my new baby and took her for a ride. And then suddenly they're kind of going down this dark, deserted road and he attacks her and um, tries to rape her, tries to kill her. And a military police officer who noticed the car saved her life. The guy goes to prison for seven or eight years, comes out and becomes a serial killer. Goes on to kill 16, 17 people. He's known as the trailside killer. And uh, Lois Rinna is one of his only two surviving victims. Now, guys, I looked a little deeper into this, and wow. So, apparently, this was 1960, the year with Lois. He bound her with a clothesline. He beat her with a hammer and stabbed her in the hand. Um, the military police officer caught him. Then the guy fired at the military police officer with a gun and missed. He was injured by return fire 
and arrest him. So there was, not only was she violently assaulted, um, beaten with a hammer, that's why she has a metal plate in her head, crazy, but uh, there was also like a shootout, basically, that, you know, she almost didn't survive all this. Wow. So this guy is a real piece of work, the Trailside Killer. His real name is David Joseph Carpenter. Um, yeah, 10 killed, five attempted, three plus molested, two raped. He's described as a mixed lust killer. His thing of choice was a shooting and stabbing. He attacked and killed victims in the woods. He would lure them into the woods. <sighs> wow. I think it's so fascinating what it says about, you know, their family. And I also, you know, I'm fascinated by families where secrets are kept and, you know, what secrets kind of can do to the psyche of our children. And I find it very interesting that Lois had one daughter who passed away very young from a drug overdose and was kind of a partier. And then you have this other daughter who's been so fiercely self-protective that she says, you know, Lisa Erna says, I'm the only woman I know who's never been, you know, raped or sexually assaulted. Um, and it's very interesting how it kind of like split like that, where you had one daughter who, you know, couldn't keep herself safe, uh, ostensibly, and another who is extraordinarily guarded, um, but also a very public person at the same time. I find it fascinating. I was really inspired by Lois's story. Um, and I just think it was a profound juxtaposition, you know, that we don't usually get on this show where you have some woman saying some really ignorant and offensive stuff. And then, you know, this older woman with all this wisdom comes out and, and shares her story that she never even shared with her kids growing up. And, you know, something that she's closely guarded and a trauma she's probably carried with her her whole life. And, you know, we just have the utmost love and respect for you, Lois. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Well, I want to quickly add in, um, at the end here, a really big congratulations to Mercedes Javid and her husband, Tommy, on the birth of their son, Shams. They named their son Shams after MJ's dad, her late father, who recently passed away. We all know Shams. Those of us who are fans of Shots of Sunset know that Shams is an amazing man. Shams brought literally thousands of people over from Iran. Shams was by all accounts a wonderful guy. Everyone who met him loved him. Um, I'd just like to take the time to quickly play a video that Tommy posted that I found really moving. Dan's Francis fight. My son, he's here. Six pounds, ten ounces. He's gorgeous. Uh, Shams is the most legendary guy I know. It's an honor to name my son after him. Uh, the night my son was born was the worst night of my life. My wife had a ton of complications. She was in surgery for like five hours. They didn't tell me nothing. Um, but they're amazing at Cedars. They saved a life. She's still in ICU. She still hasn't held her baby yet. Uh, that should probably happen later today, though. He, on the other hand, is looking great. He couldn't be happier. Working in the nursery, he's like working backstage in an R. Kelly concert. He's pissed on every nurse that works there. Uh, they have him in a tanning bed now with glasses on. No joke. 
day old. He's already in a tanning bed. Couldn't be more like his mother if he tried. She went spray tanning before he went to the hospital. She looks like the Aztec god of sun from the ankles up. Ankles down, it looks like she jogged back here from the jungle. But everything's great. I'm the happiest guy on Earth. Little play by. <laughs> Tommy is a real class act, guys. Welcome to the world, baby shams. We're so happy for you. We're so happy for your mom and dad. We're so glad that you came into this world that, you know, Shams brought you here to us. And um, we're so excited for a new season of Shaz and to meet you. Guys, I think Tommy is probably my favorite person on reality TV. He just is effortless, as Mario Singer would sing. <laughs> Mario Singer. Oh my goodness. Has anyone been watching Made in Mexico? Before I wrap this up, I, uh, I'm a really big fan. When I first started watching, I was like, what is this nonsense? And, um, as I kept going and I didn't like, you know, I don't love, like, I do love things about rich people, but like, it's a little uncomfortable when you're like watching these wealthy people and like, then they have like their like darker skinned servants, like, you know, like wearing like uniforms and stuff. I don't, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, it's like LVP. Like, I don't like people who make their, the people who work for them, like wear an outfit. I think that's so strange. Being someone who's worked in people's homes and wealthy people's homes. I just think that's so gross and weird and inappropriate. Anyway. Um, at first I was like a little wary because the people were, the characters were so weird. So basically it's like three families. Um, and I have to say it's really grown on me. There's uh, one family where it's like a brother and sister and they're like in their forties, they're twins and they each have a couple kids respectively, one from a previous marriage and the other, um, I guess he was the first Oscar was the first uh, gay man in Mexico to have children through a surrogate. So um, he has twins also that, uh, he he had their surrogate and they live together like with all their kids in this sort of blended family because she's divorced and he's single and um it's actually so endearing and oscar in particular is like hilarious beautiful charming i mean <laughs> there's a great moment where he like tries to invite this guy who he's met and hooked up with to like a party that he's having and the guy's like, I'm really tired. And he's like, oh, well, I was hoping I'd see you. And the guy's like, do you have any coke? <laughs> um, but the real stars of the show are the uh, Allende family. And the Allende, that's Oscar and his sister are the Madrazos. So the Allende family is these two parents uh, and two sons. Now, the older son, Elan, he has clearly like, you know, I mean, he's good with his parents, but he's rejected the overbearing nature of his parents. He married a former Miss Puerto Rico and they have like a singing, a music project together and they're signed by a label and they're doing some, you know, like sort of cool pop music, um, Spanish language. And they have a couple kids and I guess when he married this girl, when Elon married Jenny, his mom and dad were like, if you marry her, basically, we're not going to support you in your music. Because he used to play in a band with his brother. Now, his brother is the real, the real, uh, 
I don't even know what to call him. <laughs> His name is Adan. <laughs> I'm going to play a quick Adan song for you just to give you a notion of, of this person. that microphone was like fully in his mouth. <laughs> I highly recommend if you haven't checked out Mexican Dynasties, um, if you don't have time to check out the show, you can go straight to at Adan, A-D-A-N, Allende, A-L-L-E-N-D-E, Adan Allende. And he posts these videos of himself constantly. And I mean, this kid is like a born ham the dad's the same way, Fernando, and I guess he's like a famous, he's famous in Mexican culture as like an actor and a singer, I believe, Fernando Allende. Um, very strange family. Uh, lots of like weird incest vibes where it's like Adon, I guess, used to be married and then he left his wife because his parents made him choose, similar to the brother, but the brother chose his wife. And then he lives with the parents and he, you know, like crawls into bed with them all the time. And it's very strange, very bizarre. I thought it was weirder before I saw Fernando, the dad and Elon in like, uh, they were in the studio together and that was very endearing. And then Fernando was saying he never had a father. Um, and that really, um, hit home and that made me sort of like have a softer spot in my heart for them. Cause at first I was like, these people are just freaks. <laughs> crazy. Um, super incesty vibes, very strange, very bizarre. Guys, Rihanna is watching this show, so there's no reason why you shouldn't be. <sighs> That's going to be it for me today. Shout out Mexican dynasties. Check it out, everybody. We are very excited for the return of Potomac. We are very excited for the return of Southern Charm. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I had a lot of fun making it. Um, and I will be back in probably a week's time to talk about more. Thanks, everybody. This has been Mention It All. <laughs>